Today, on Commitment to Truth. There will come a place in time in each one of our lives that we're going to be so desperate for wisdom to help us navigate some place in our lives that we will literally find ourselves begging God for wisdom. But we must become people who just naturally call for it. In every situation, I just get on my knees, drive down the street in my car, and you just call for God's wisdom. Just say, God, I don't understand how to navigate this thing in life. Help me. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. All right, we're continuing a sermon series from the book of James. And as always, I encourage you to read through the book of James so that you can be well acquainted with it. And in so, in doing so, uh, the purpose of this series in the book of James is to encourage the body of Christ not to succumb to the scattering of the church. Because right now the church is extremely scattered, uh, extremely divided. But in doing so, uh, we will then, uh, what I like to call today, avoid the drift that ultimately leads to all kinds of personal problems, family problems, relationship problems that we've beginning to uncover in the book of James. That being said, James, listen to this, James' final words uh, in his book, bearing his name, says this, let him know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So again, what you hear James exclaiming is simply saying, you know what? As we collectively work together, being led by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we ourselves will be helping each other because we're all sinners saved by grace, right? Uh, to be rescued from doing silly stuff that we're all capable of doing, right? And ultimately covering a multitude of sins by his immeasurable grace that he even uses and exercises through each one of us. So in the book of James, it deals with all kinds of topics that help us navigate our relationship with God uh, through Christ. But one of the most important aspects of the book of James is actually the opening in verse 1 in chapter 1. It says this. It describes our most important role. A bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So each one of us, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are indebted to him. We are bond servants for him and of him. And being bond servants of Christ, he will never tell you to serve him in any capacity without fully equipping you and I to be able to serve effectively and efficiently to bring him honor and glory. So uh, in doing so, in serving him, we will then, again, as bond servants of Christ, remember we've been learning, some of you have been following us, you're attaching to Christ, therefore you won't drift, drift away from him. If we detach from Christ, chances are we're going to do what? We're going to drift. The decisions we make to follow Christ more intimately, more specifically, at the end of the day, that will help us not to drift away from Christ. And hopefully we'll gather all that uh, during our time together. So today, if you can open your Bibles with me back to James chapter 1. <clears throat> and we're going to discover today how wisdom can help us all avoid the drift. This wisdom that comes from above can help us all avoid drifting away from him, drifting to a point of destruction, drifting to a point that we, we cause him shame 
as I'm sure many of you today have experienced around you, that people who say and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ have caused them great shame. Many of us who have said that I love Christ, I adore Christ, I worship Christ, I serve Christ, have many unfortunately uh, times caused them shame. But if we apply his heavenly wisdom, it will help us all avoid the drift. Again, James chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through uh, 9 just to help us get the core context, and we're going to dive into verses 5 through 9. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are, at, who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perf perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. In verse 5, it says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that person ought not expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Unstable in all of his ways and double-minded. Let's stop there in verse 8 and, and then answer the, this first question. What type of wisdom is this? What type of wisdom? Well, the, the word wisdom here you find in verse 5 is defined this way. It's being broad and full of intelligence. I always like to tell people, listen, I'm not the smartest guy or brightest bulb in a room. <laughs> but one thing I've rested upon is this. The more and more I learn about the wisdom of God, the smarter I find myself becoming. And as we define this word wisdom, you'll begin to understand what I'm talking about. Being broad and full of intelligence. It's the knowledge of very diverse matters. Do you hear that? Has anyone experienced diverse matters? Well, the promise is that you will have knowledge of very diverse matters. Very knowledge of things human and also divine. Those things on this earth and those things that deals with heavenly uh, things. This wisdom is skill in the management of affairs of life. Anybody need management skills, meaning of life, just knowing how to navigate life, the ins and outs of life, the promise is you'll begin to become skilled in the management of the affairs of life. It also means the ability and discretion in imparting Christian truth. So many people want to know more about Christ, or let's say you're a Christian and you want to know more and more about the wisdom of Christ. Who has the wisdom of Christ, but whom? Christ. So the promise is he would impart Christian truths. It's the knowledge and practice of the fundamentals for godly and upright living. And this wisdom is supreme intelligence. In other words, it is the, the best or the most uh, existent of intelligence there is. And it says such as belonging to God in Christ. So if God in Christ is the supreme intelligence that was, that is, that will ever be, why wouldn't we go to him to understand how to navigate the affairs of life? But here's our challenge. I think we can all admit that we all lack this kind of wisdom, right? And that's why if you hear in verse 1, excuse me, verse 5 in chapter 1, it says, let anyone who lacks this kind of wisdom. 
And I think we can all raise our hand and say, I lack that kind of wisdom. Why? The word lack means this, or lacks, it means we can leave behind or forsake this kind of wisdom. Leave behind. In other words, we can go on and make decisions in life and leave it behind. There's times we forsake it. God wants to give it to us. He uses other people to give us his wisdom in a multitude of counsel, right? Their safety. So the counsel of God in the midst of people who are following Christ and seeking God themselves, we go on without it. We forsake it. We leave it behind and make decisions without it. It goes on to be defined this way. We can be left behind and lag in wisdom. So it's, it's, it's interesting that this word brings that out because wisdom can also outpace us because we're slow to respond to it. We lag behind this wisdom that God provides for us. There are times that it, we are destitute of, of, of wisdom, of this kind of wisdom. We're wanting of this wisdom. Here's the challenge, I think, with comparing and, and working through God's wisdom versus our own. We, you can be someone with an enormous IQ. You could be the smartest, most educated person on the face of this planet. One thing is for sure, you'll run, you'll run into something or someone that you will be wanting wisdom. You'll run into something that you just don't understand. And it's interesting, COVID allowed a lot of people get to a point that they don't know what to do, young and old. Do you realize during COVID, even today, Christian counselors have no space. They're booked. They can't take any more clients because people are trying to figure out how do I navigate life. Insurance companies are now paying for Christian counselors. There was a time they weren't. Because there's this wisdom that we're going to learn that only comes from God that can only help people work through life issues. So no matter how smart we will ever be, no matter how much knowledge and wisdom we will accumulate over time, we will be always a people who are in wanting of this kind of wisdom. Lastly, this word wisdom means this. We, we will fail in wisdom. So again, I may have an accumulative wisdom. I may have lived long enough, experienced so many things in life, well-educated, right? But I will still fail because I lack this wisdom. All of this in part and parcel describes all of us in this room. All of us will come to a place in our lives that we will be in need of some other higher wisdom that goes beyond what we can think, how we can manage life, how we can manage relationships. So that being said, this is how we then navigate this type of wisdom. You look back in verse number five, it says if we lack this wisdom, guess this is the only thing we need to do. It is so simple, it's deep. Just ask for it. Just ask. It says, let him ask. The word ask means this, and this is where it gets complicated. Let him beg, call for, let him crave, desire, require it. There will come a place in time in each one of our lives that we're going to be so desperate 
for wisdom to help us navigate someplace in our lives that we will literally find ourselves begging God for wisdom. But we must become people who just naturally call for it. In every situation, I just get on my knees, drive down the street in my car, and you just call for God's wisdom. Just say, God, I don't understand how to navigate this thing in life. Help me. God, I'm up against this with my marriage. I'm up against this with my kids that growing up. You know, my head is all twisted. My heart's twisted. Now they're becoming teenagers and adults. I don't know how to handle it. I don't know. I've never been here before. Just ask for it. It means to crave. We got to get to a point as a people that we crave it, we desire it, and it's a requirement of life. I cannot make a decision without the required wisdom of God, period. So after you ask God for it, then he says he would do what? He'll give it to you generously. This word generously means this. He'll just simply give it to you. He'll give it to you quickly. He also mean, it also means he'll give it to you frankly. In other words, I like, it, I like to say it this way. Have you ever had a friend give you wisdom or give you their advice and you don't want their advice? That's frank wisdom. That's frank advice. Listen, I know you're not going to listen to me, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Right? I mean, I'm sure we've come up, you know, against that many times. We've probably been the one trying to give the wisdom or the input. Trust me, there's going to come a time in all of our lives that you're not going to want it. You're not going to want to receive it, but God's going to give it to you frankly. He's just going to say, no, you don't want to hear it, Cedric, but here's the deal. This is the only way you're going to navigate this difficult situation in life. And I'm going to frankly give it to you. But it doesn't have to be that way. He can just simply give it to you with great sincerity. He's like, I just really want to give this to you. And here it is. If we do what? Ask. You ask. He gives it to you generously. But here's another challenge in this. Verse 6 and 7 says, but you got to do it without doubting. How does this look? Ask in faith without doubting. Without doubting, doubting simply says this to you and I. Without withdrawing. Have you ever asked God for help, but then you still ran away from it? That's doubting. It's kind of like, God, I, I kind of believe you, but I don't believe you. It's doubting. That's a lack of faith. It also means this, to desert. So God is giving you wisdom. He is using, as you study in the Bible and reading his word, he's giving you wisdom. You know, he, he allow a, a girlfriend to come in your life, you know, and say, hey, sis, I get to tell you, this is what God is showing me. This is what God's word says. And you, maybe you've never read that before. Do <laughs> you just desert it? Like, nah, I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm going to do it my own way. It also means without any separating oneself in a hostile spirit. I know I've been there, right? That my wife is trying to tell me something that God says. Hostility. Oh, what do you mean? I don't do that. You must got somebody else in mind. That's not me. Hostility towards God. Especially when he's... he's He's given us wisdom on how to love people who aren't lovable. Well, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it, God. My dad was never there for me. My mama abused me. 
Matter of fact, I don't even know my parents. And you telling me to honor my father and my mother? Oh, not me. But wisdom says, honor your father and your mother so that you will have a long and prosperous life. That's the wisdom of God. It says, honor them not based upon how they act, but just honor them. But we could become hostile towards God. It also means to oppose or to contend, to be in disagreement. Here's a weird one. To be, to be disagreement with oneself. You ever have that going on in your head? Going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back. And that's, that's your conscious, the God consciousness within you. It's like, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not going to do it. And you start having this tug of war on the inside. No, no, you don't get it. No, God, and having conversations with the self. Uh, there's, there's a passage of scripture that it, when it talks about to think it over, it says, to, I say to myself. Have you said to yourself before? And this is what it's talking about. It's saying, listen, there's a time that God is trying to impose his wisdom or asking you to say, hey, just take my advice. But on the inside, contending, disagreeing on the inside. The last description of this word doubting is this, is to hesitate. When God gives you his wisdom and you just, we just take our good old time. And we just hesitate when God speaks and he instructs. And we just say, ah, yeah, I got something better to do, right? Ask for it. He gives it generously. But let's not doubt. Can we skip now to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18? James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. How do we then avoid the drift while we're in that place of lacking wisdom? How do we navigate asking him for this wisdom? There's about three answers to this question I'd like to give you. The first is in uh, chapter 3, verse 13. It says this. Who among you is wise and, and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So it's interesting, God immediately says this about wisdom. It's connected to your behavior. It, we don't think that way. We just think, okay, give me information. Let me download information. And then I'll be wise. Right? That's true in part, but wisdom is really not wisdom until you live out what you know to be true. So that's why you look at this first answer to the question to help us avoid the drift while we're lacking wisdom and trying to navigate asking God for wisdom is that we must be men and women who maintain a good behavior. Just do the right thing. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 28 says this, even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. Just let that resonate a little bit. Is that someone who's not that smart when they keep their mouth shut which is a behavioral characteristic you will appear wise. How, how many times that you know maybe you have 
have a high IQ, but you just said something, then you look stupid. <laughs> I know I have, right? It's like, dang, why did I just say that? I just made a fool of myself and everybody around me, right? So it's, again, it says, even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. Then it goes on to read, it says, when he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Sometimes the, the wisest step or the best form of behavior is just be quiet. That's behavior. Uh, here's a quote. Someone said this. If a wise, wise man openly debate, debates a fool, then those who watch cannot tell the difference. If a wise man, you may be truly wise, you may be right in every aspect. But if you debate, 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 everybody's on the outside looking like you both look like fools. <laughs> A lack of wisdom, listen, at the end of the day, it, it can cause good behavior to turn bad. Because I'm just making poor decisions after decisions after decisions, making decisions that don't honor him, making decisions that he doesn't command me to make, and all I'm doing is looking more and more foolish. Now, that's why you look at verse 13, it, it suggests this. Show It is shown by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. The word behavior means this, this manner of life, conduct, demeanor, or attitude. One thing is, is interesting is that when someone walks around with a, just a bad demeanor and a bad attitude, you know what it looks like? A child. Looks like an unwise adult adult with issues but on the inside we're like no but I'm getting my way I'm doing what I want to do I'm in control of my life but everybody around you is looking like something's wrong with her but wisdom says no you, you, you gotta have self control cause self control communicates a lot of different things and that's why it says there's this gentleness of wisdom there's this, there's this mildness of disposition this gentleness of spirit meekness so conversely there's times that like no I'm, I'm going to say what I need to say I'm going to do what I need to do somebody's got to do it right and then the thought is if I do this I say this I act this way then I'll get my way or I'll turn the tide right to make it work well on my behalf or our behalf never happens that way that's why Jesus in his first sermon on the Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes, right? Blessed. And listen to what he says in chapter 5 of Matthew, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 5 of Matthew. He says, blessed are the gentle, are the meek. Same word. For they would inherit the earth. Meekness, humility, a behavior of meekness and humility inherits. Or you could say you'll get your way. Or it will turn in your favor. Conversely, you don't act meek. You have an unwise demeanor, uh, cop an attitude based upon a be the definition of behavior. It never really turns out the way it should. Blessed are the gentle, the meek. 
for they will inherit the earth. You see, this heavenly wisdom helps us to manage our behavior. Asking God for wisdom slows you down, gives him an opportunity to have the input on the situation that can change the course of time. Secondly, we find in verse 14, and again, James chapter 3, it says this. Is this making sense? All right. Verse 14 says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Now, remember, the context of these verses is he's talking about wisdom, talking about behavior, and now behavior that can manifest what in jealousy, jealousy and selfishness. So our second answer to the question is this. We must resist jealousy and selfishness. Anybody selfish and jealous in this room? I know I am. Listen, uh, you know the first murder ever recorded? Cain killed his brother. You know why? Because he was jealous. You know why families are so divided? Jealousy. Well, you know, see, I'm the baby of the family. I'm the baby of eight. What, what do all the big brothers and sisters say about the little brother? Well, you always get your way. I can't believe you. You know, when I was a kid, mom and dad let, you know, didn't let me do that, but now you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, truth be told, mom and dad was just tired after eight kids. <laughs> And it was like, yeah, do whatever you want. They were just worn out, right? So, uh, and, but there is this seed of jealousy that begins to transpire. Is that, well, we couldn't do that. Like, for instance, in, in my family context, some of you probably get this. We ate every part of the chicken. Not because it was like, good <laughs> but we ate every part of chicken and, I, and being the youngest I had the back the neck the gizzard the liver the heart I had everything that no one else wanted because <laughs> it was like well he, he can't tell the difference that's probably what they were saying he can't tell the difference but I, I became a master eater and digester of the back of the chicken I would peel every rib and eat and so from that, what you find a lot of times is all that narrative causes family issues. It's like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> this is how weird it gets. I grew up that way. I get married. Now I want chicken breasts. <laughs> and you know what? It caused conflict in my marriage. My awesome wife is trying to save us some money, so she buys uh, thighs because they're cheaper. I'm like, but I don't want thighs. <laughs> and we're going back and forth. We're literally going back and forth, getting an argument about thighs and breasts. I want breasts. Well, why do you, why do you want breasts? Because I want breasts. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know why, but it's, I want breasts. <laughs> well, but the, the thighs are cheaper. I'm trying to save us money, but I want breasts. <laughs> And it was because all these issues that we, we, we accumulate over life and at the end of the day, selfishness emerges, jealousy emerges, and the only way you're going to be able to navigate it is through the wisdom of God because God started revealing to me. 
You know why you always want the breast, Cedric? It's because you grew up eating the leftovers. Only the wisdom of God can reveal that to me. My wife couldn't convince me otherwise. I don't care how much money you save it. I want the breast. Only God can reveal that. How simple and silly stuff like that can get. A lack of wisdom causes misperceptions that lead to jealousy. Well, you know, mom and dad love them more than me. No. Mom and dad can now afford good clothes. And yes, when you were a kid, you had to wear hand-me-downs. It wasn't because they loved you less. They couldn't afford it. Misperceptions of, well, well why, why do they get the promotion and I don't get the promotion? Why do they get the opportunity and I don't get the opportunity? Could it be that God is saying to you or I, well, you're just not ready for the promotion? It's not because they don't want to give it to you. It's just not ready. Maybe God sees something in my heart that says you're not ready for that promotion because you wouldn't handle it well enough. It's not because the boss doesn't like me, but then this is what begins to transpire because I think perceptively and based on my perception that that the boss doesn't like me, then I come in with an attitude and then guess what happens? I continue to get skipped over, 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 over. But God's wisdom says promotion comes neither from the east nor the west, but it comes from the very hand of God. That person is not the person who gives me promotions. God tells them. The king's heart is in the Lord's hand. It's like a running river that he controls. At any moment, God can speak to your boss and says, promote that person. That's the wisdom of God that causes one to settle down, close your mouth, don't say anything, but apply the other wisdom of God that says everything you do, whether in word or in deed, do for my glory. And none of that is hinged upon promotion or not. This jealousy leads to a just for me attitude. You see, our, our misconceptions and perceptions creates this bitter jealousy. Not just jealousy, but bitter jealousy, it says. Which means this envious and contentious rivalry. It's just like I'm always just I'm always rivaling against that. I can't be happy that that person got the promotion. You know, I can't be happy that that person scored the touchdown. You see, listen, playing sports and, and being a very competitive person, rival, man. It's like shucks, man. You got that interception, I'm on one too. And you walk around with a chip on your shoulder with, with against your teammate because they got the interception that day and you didn't. It can get that silly. You won the game. Stirs up a just for me attitude, which is called here selfish ambition. This, and listen to the definition of selfish ambition. It's electioneering or campaigning for office. It's like we're raising 
funds and we're rallying people to say, oh, I want to elect me, elect me, elect me, elect me. Do it for me. You know, me, 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 me. It also means a desire to put oneself forward, a fractionist spirit, complaining and grumpy. It denotes self-seeking pursuits. You see, what things like this begins to happen is that I'm going to go to college and I'm gonna go get my master's, get my doctorate, put all these letters in front and behind my name, add these zeros to my account of my you know bank account. But my pure motivation is because of jealousy and selfish ambition. I want it because they got it. And one of the first Ten Commandments, it talks about do not covet your neighbor's house. And the word covet, you know what it means? is to lack contentment in what God has given you. So we'll, we'll go to school. Education is super important because some jobs, you can't even get some jobs without education. You follow me? But, but here's our challenge. Our pursuit shouldn't be from selfishness or jealousy of, I'm going to do this because no one in my family did it, so I'm going to do it because all the saying is, look at me. Versus saying, no, God, give me wisdom to understand that the reason why I'm doing this is I'm honoring you. And in honoring you, I can help others. And in helping you, I mean, honoring you and helping others, you somehow reciprocate towards me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added. Going after the things create selfish ambition and jealousy. Because if someone gets the things before you get the things, jealousy. Now, don't want to guilt people with that because most people, include myself, everything we pursue, probably up until this point, it was about me, myself, and I. And it may be for your family and things like that, but for your family, it's still for you, yourself, and I because you're working for people you love, right? The cool thing about the grace of God is this. That may be how you started, but that's not how you have to finish. In other words, when he reveals and he gives you wisdom, there's nothing wrong with saying, God, please forgive me. My pursuits have been all wrong. That's created animosity in me towards people, jealousy towards people, selfishness towards people. God, help me to rethink and repurpose why I do what I do, why I am who I am for your glory and for the good of others. Make sense? So that being said, this misperception, jealousy, stirs this attitude called selfish ambition. This selfish ambition is just from the attitude, nets out to this. We become arrogant people. To exalt over, to boast about oneself to the injury of somebody else, it becomes all about me. And the only way you can navigate this, folks, is the wisdom of God. Yet John, excuse me, in this in the same passage, in verse 14, it warns us, if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, and do not become arrogant, it says, then you lie against the truth. 
Listen to Proverbs 4, 6 and 7 real quickly. It says this. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get it. <laughs> That's just so practical. You, you want to start, you know, have, being wise? Get it. And we're going to learn what, how that looks. Get it. It says, though it is... It, Though it costs all of you, all of what you have, excuse me, get understanding. So getting this wisdom and going after wisdom is costly. In other words, you, it's going to cost you adjustments. It may, it cost, it may cost you, you, you know, the approach and the comfortability of your previous approach. That you have now to rethink or maybe think before you speak. That's costly to some of us who talk a lot. You know, so it, it, it's costly because it, it may appear to others that you're weak because you're backing down versus being aggressive. It may cost you something, but the cost never outweighs what you get, and that is the wisdom of God. Amen. So this heavenly wisdom helps us avoid jealousy, just for me attitude and listen it it will make sure that we are living life in the truth and by the truth lastly verse 15 through 18 we must pursue heavenly wisdom so all this i've described to you up until this point is this heavenly wisdom and let me kind of summarize this for you okay we're in verses uh, 15 through 18 it says this wisdom is not that which comes down from above but is earthly natural demonic in other words what I described to you before, the way we act based upon our attitudes and our jealousy. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder. You ever experienced that? It says, in every evil, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace, loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, free of hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here we find this, is that you find even though there's this clear inclination that we have to be people who pursue heavenly wisdom, there's still something inherently evil in us that still wants to go after earthly wisdom. Let me call my girlfriend before I call God. Let me call my mom. Let me call someone else versus I simply humble myself and just ask God for help. Not saying that is something wrong with calling others, but if the others are not also seeking the wisdom of God, you're only getting their opinion. Because in a multitude of counsel, wise counsel, there's safety. So you have to learn in life, okay, who can I call? Who will give me God's wisdom not their opinion so any other wisdom listen it is earthly it is natural and listen to what it also says it's demonic the word natural means it's, it is sensuous luxurious nature and it's, it's subject to the appetites and passions everything I just described to you it's okay you know I'm getting this degree because I just want to make more money. Was well, it something wrong with making more money? No. But why do you want to make more money? 
Is it just to spend it on yourself? Get what you want? Luxuries, right? Fulfill my appetite, my passion? Or, or God, help me accumulate wealth to advance the kingdom? That more people come to know Jesus. That I could send and help support more missionaries to the missions field. Reach more kids in the community. Bring a spirit of excellence in the body of Christ. Any other wisdom than heavenly wisdom, it says it can be demonic. You say, wow, that's pretty, pretty heavy, but let me kind of simplify it. If any wisdom that's not wisdom that is for God, it's against them. And anything against God is demonic. Does that make sense now? I mean, it's, it's, it's not for God. It's for Satan and his demonic forces. So thus, that's the, wisdom, the reason why we seek his wisdom so that we make sure that what we do is from him, of him, for him. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. I'm going to end with this. It says this. My son or my daughter, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. You see, that's how we navigate life. God, I, I, I gotta work. I gotta get more. I need more. I want more. I'm accumulating more and more. And he says, if you can just shift that and long for wisdom just as much as you're longing for all this other stuff, this is what happens. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he watches over the way of his godly ones. So just, just keep that in mind, church, is that, man, when you're starting to long to go after stuff, power, prestige, and things. Always having a mist of your heart and your mind. God, am I seeking more after that more than I'm seeking after you? And make a shift on the dime and go back to seeking his wisdom and his counsel. And again, don't get confused to say, and yeah, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue good things. You follow me? It, that is wrong to pursue good things. Not saying that. But why am I going after this? It should always be in front of your mind. Does this bring honor to you? God, does this make sense to you for my life? Is this what you want me to do? all he ask. Hello, this is Cedric Brown, your teacher on Commitment to Truth. I would like to personally thank you so much for tuning in week after week to listen here on this station. 
My prayer is that our time together is encouraging and strengthening you in your personal walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, I'm not going to assume that all of you know this Christ that I speak about week after week. And if you don't, and this is you, my prayer is that you are being inspired to know Him personally through commitment to truth. But if you want to invite this Christ into your life right now, would you like to please pray with me? It's just a short prayer. It goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I acknowledge today that I am a sinner and I've sinned against you. But I believe that you came to die for me. You were buried for me and you rose again from the grave just for me. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my risen Savior. And I surrender my life completely to you until I see you face to face. Jesus, would you, would you please empower me through your Holy Spirit to live the rest of my life for your glory and for the good of others. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So if you pray this prayer, or if you need help finding a local Christ-centered and Bible-teaching church, please email me at info at commitmenttotruth.org. Once again, that is info at commitmenttotruth.org. And lastly today, could you please do two things for me, all of you? Number one, could you spread the word about commitment to truth to your friends, your family, and even your enemies? We all could learn, right? And secondly, please email me at info at commitment to truth to let me know how this ministry is impacting your life. Once again, that is info at commitmenttotruth.org. I would love to hear from you. May God bless you and your family and have a great day. Thank you again for listening to our latest sermon series from Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.